Hello, Zimbabwe, and welcome to Live Talk, The Connection, a platform where we discuss issues affecting young people. We are coming to you live from Studio 7 at the Voice of America in Washington. I am your host, Tabakangube. On live talk, we are discussing the state of education in Zimbabwe at a time when state university lecturers are threatening to go on strike. But first, a look at what is happening in, in other parts of the world. U.S. election authorities say they are confident that they will be able to fend off any security threats to the November presidential vote. In Alexandria, Virginia, VOA's Veronica Apalderas Iglesias set in on a training for election officers, one of several measures to ensure a free, fair, and transparent vote. Last month, top U.S. officials told Congress the U.S. presidential election will be fair and secure thanks to tightening safeguards and increasing cooperation between federal, state, and local authorities. From cyber threats, from physical threats, from operational risks, and from foreign malign influence. One thing to note that it's the diversity and de decentralization of our election infrastructure because it's managed by state by 8,800 separate jurisdictions around the country, that heterogeneity gives it resilience. In the city of Alexandria, Virginia, for example, ballot scanners are not connected to the internet, thus making the process more secure against hacking attempts. Additionally, we test the scanners prior to every election uh, through a very intense logic and accuracy test to ensure uh, that they are programmed properly. To ensure a transparent process, the city is training up to 500 election officers for the primaries and November election. They are learning about what the voting requirements are, as well as how to operate the ballot scanners and certify the results of the precinct. How many people have checked in? How many, you know, um, ballots have gone through the machine? And it's happening all day long and different people are doing it. We rotate positions. So there's no, there's no way that you're gonna have an entire team of people coordinated in order to do anything shady at all. Given the polarized political environment and potential threats, election officer Mark Dyer and others are also learning the escalation techniques. Maybe once in a blue moon, there'll be someone who is belligerent or, you know, is having a bad day, a voter. Yeah. But most of the time, it's been a, a pleasant experience. Analysts interviewed by VOA also expect that overall, the upcoming presidential election will run smoothly. There are many, many eyes on, the on our election system, and adversaries don't really like that. They look for soft targets, things that people aren't really looking at. And so I feel that for those reasons, there really won't be much of uh, a, security, uh, a security event, if any, 
around the 2024 elections. But there is another kind of threat that voters should be aware of, voting advocates say. There is mis- and disinformation being sowed about the voting systems and how things work uh, to undermine trust in our democratic process. I think that is actually a much bigger concern. American voters are being encouraged to remain vigilant, volunteer as poll workers or observers themselves, and reach out to authorities if they have questions about how the election process works. Veronica Valeras Iglesias, VOA News, Alexandria, Virginia. In local news, opposition leader Tendai Miti was today fined 300 United States dollars or six months in jail after he was found guilty yesterday of assaulting a Russian businesswoman, Tatiana Aleshina. His lawyer, Alec Muchadeyama, speaks to journalists in Harare. Today we submitted our factors in mitigation, basically where we were saying Far from what has been portrayed about Tendai by the state and the complainant, Tendai Bid is basically a good man. That is the long and short of what I was saying. The state was also trying to say uh, Tendai Bid needs to be punished more than is necessary. So at the end of it all, the master then sentenced Tendai Bid to pay a fine of 300 US dollars in default of payment, six months imprisonment. And in addition, the message has also imposed a six months imprisonment suspended for five years on conditions of good behavior. So that is basically what has happened in court. But going forward, I can assure you that uh, we are going to appeal both the conviction and sentence. I already have the draft of appeal and by tomorrow, this time, the appeal will have filed. Uh, I must indicate, of course, that uh, both myself and Tendai are extremely disappointed uh, with the conviction, uh, but not surprised that uh, it has come to that. And this is why we are going to appeal to the High Court. So that is uh, the situation so far. Thank you very much. That was uh, former finance minister Tendai Bitis lawyer Aleka Amuchadeyama speaking to Studio 7 in Harare. The Russian uh, Tatiana Aleshina uh, tells uh, Studio 7 that she feels uh, justice has been served. Uh, justice has been revealed and that is a positive. It gives us hope to Zimbabwean women. Zimbabwe got justice. Even it take long term, four years, but I learn a lot. I learn, I realize if we women cannot stand up for our rights, uh, justice will be not revealed. But I believe Zimbabwe got the future, and I'm happy to say this victory, what happened today, is not my victory, it's a Zimbabwean woman victory. Because today, we I want to encourage all Zimbabwean people, especially women who've been abused, doesn't matter verbally or physically, but they can stood up for their rights. And I nothing to do personally with diabetes or anyone, but let him learn the good lessons. Respect women and respect not only women, everyone in this country. Um, that's my comments. Yeah. Thank you so much. 
That was uh, Tatiana Aleshina speaking to Studio 7 in, in Arare. Please uh, stay tuned as we take a brief break. In times of change, when the world seems uncertain, and what we hear doesn't reflect what we see, we seek the truth. When we are told only part of the story, we lose trust. In moments of crisis, our dreams, hopes, and wishes for a better tomorrow depend on a free press. At Voice of America, we bring you the stories that people take risks to see. We connect the world and unite it with truth. At Voice of America, we show you the whole picture. For those that have just joined us, please note that we are streaming live on our Facebook pages, VOA Shona, VOA Studio 7, and VOA Ndebele. We are also live on YouTube, VOA Zimbabwe. Today, we are talking about the state of education in Zimbabwe at a time when the Ministry of Primary and Secondary Education has started engaging uh, teachers, unions, lecturers, and others uh, at a time when they are threatening to go on strike. Tomorrow, over low salaries, while the government says it is addressing their concerns. To discuss this issue, we are joined on the phone by Alderman Moses Mbimbi, founder and executive director of Friends of Education Africa, Zinasu, outgoing NASTA chair, Chris Fundira, and ZANU-PF information officer, Francis Mofambi. Welcome to Live Talk, gentlemen. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. Um, I'll start with you. Thank uh, you, thank you. Thank you. I'll start with you, uh, Mr. Mbimbi. Uh, looking at the education sector in Zimbabwe, what is uh, the state of uh, the sector in Zimbabwe? Where are we right now? Uh, okay, thank you very much for, for, for the question. Um, I think uh, your question um, needs to be approached from different angles, but angle number one, which I would be more comfortable discussing with you today, uh, the education sector, like any other uh, key uh, development sector in the country, is a developing sector with the challenges and opportunities that are also uh, bedeviling the same uh, each and every other sector. But uh, most importantly to note is that uh, the challenges, some of them have been perpetuated over a long period of time in the um, they are still work in progress, as well as also some of the opportunities that have been presented in the education sector have also opened a lot of um, uh, doors for the sector, for stakeholders, uh, students, as well as also even other partners. And the ministry at large also has got a lot of opportunities and challenges that it has um, managed to, 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 to have access to as a result of some of the key developments that have taken place in the sector. Thank you. Um, 
e, singati guminjani e Zimbabwe. Welcome to the program. Uh, looking at the state of education in Zimbabwe, we've had um, Fundira speaking there. Uh, some of the challenges that he's saying um, are prevailing in Zimbabwe, um, issues around um, the cost, uh, the exposure, where he's saying um, there's a large number of students who are now preferring to get tertiary education out of the country. What's your take on uh, all these issues? Uh, thank you very much. Uh, to begin with, I think uh, I will take you historically to say Zimbabwe the education system uh, at independence became uh, one of the best uh, in the region. And we see where this region comparative advantage. And uh, this explains why uh, Zimbabwe still has um, uh, an advantage in terms of the labor force regionally and globally. Uh, but we can't uh, say this without actually mentioning that there are, some, there, are, there, are, there are challenges that are coming due to different factors, some external, some internal. External, including uh, sanctions, for instance, I think um, we are aware that uh, a report by Ms. Elena Duhan actually highlighted that uh, the sanctions are making it hard for Zimbabweans to enjoy their social, economic, and um, and cultural rights, and education is part of these which is being affected by, by such. But however, the government, uh, especially the Second Republic, since 2017 has made a rush of uh, policies that are very uh, impactful and that are changing the whole outlook of the education system. I'll actually start maybe by mentioning how we inherited an old curriculum, and we have actually introduced a curriculum reorientation which allows us to deliver a proper education that is uh, in tandem with our industry. I can even mention the problem that we had, which is the field gap. And to address the field gap, uh, the second public initiative introduced a two-pronged solution whereby uh, we had a field audit to understand the skill gap that we had in our education system. And this two uh, audit will then allow us to have skill development, to allow us to know which areas do we have to take seriously. Then, uh, thirdly, and not um, less importantly, is the budgetary constraints that we have said. But look at it, what did the Second Republic do? The Second Republic has 
increase the budget, the budget allocation, and then even maybe uh, uh, sure that we, we align with international rules when it comes to budget allocation. I will mention at least two of these, uh, the education for all, um, the initiative which was initiated by UNESCO, which advocates that uh, a country should raise between four to six percent of the GDP in education. But in Zimbabwe, you can see that um, since independence has been given between 17.5 to 20 percent uh, of uh, the government expenditure, which is not in line with what should be done. And uh, I can tell you, with this goal, we are also managing to work towards um, the SDG number four which focuses on ensuring inclusive and equitable quality of education. And to show that uh, we are serious about this, the government has introduced the Education 5.0, which focuses on research, innovation, and industrialization. And as I speak today, it is common cause that um, we have innovation hubs at all, um, at the majority of the state-owned universities, which will allow our, our youth to make sure that they can research, they can innovate, and they can industrialize or bring their efforts to the ideas. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Mr. Mfambi. Uh, there's a caller uh, on the line. Uh, hello, Lingenele Gushelo Salmonan. I see a pillar, Linjani. Lisi Kumalinga Pilapa. I see a Wanga Kulu. Lingapo Salapa Umbigoenu. Libona Januta Balem Fundes in Bapolapan. Nyombi kwenu loo, e, tizo ke kwa mwuri e, vambimbi, tishi tarisa e, pamambo taura, mambo taura, oti pane ma opportunities aripo e, anoko na kunge. Achibatira paku simu zirane kuvanduza e, zizo omu Zimbabwe. E, tishi tarisa kuti a, pane matambuziko akawanda e, ataura wapano, E, nde api, nde ipi mikana ya muno wana iripo ya kuti kungi ya kuchi vanduzwa zizo mzimbabu? Wanuta risa machallenges. Nguwa zinji, they look at them as a problem. Asi, taati machallenges. Taka, hizo zuno zoga, zuno radika kutika. Natichita risa public <laughs> At least within a five kilometer radius, so as far as infrastructure development in line with the education sector is concerned, we need to commend the great work that government is doing. So we also have access to infrastructure 
and access to education. Ibabupane basa guru rukubatwa no rumendo. Don't even look at that. You put it seven. Why? Nengo wa pasa. Nengo wa nichi bicho kwenye randeri nichikoro. Kwesha yao kupejo. Pokuye nda wachinyo Form 1. Izo zoga zuna za kutipane basa guru rukubatwa kunjimbota. Kasi ya na mnaraunda ya zimbaba. So chika risa zikari pani ngeazi cost of education. Cost of education zimbabu ayinyanyo duri zoka nyanyo. As you may be, to know Fanaguzo Tarifa, Ziza Z, in terms of uh, there's an element where at some point in time or even uh, nowadays is a bit different. Panaka element is a year sector and a year defect in terms of salaries and allowance that people get from various employment. But whether you have business and the Zumuskwanzakbata, yes, you pay it, yes, the value. We can't say education is unaffordable in Zimbabwe. That's not true. But what we need to look at is a country like Zimbabwe, uh, subjected uh, or sanctioned by other countries, and uh, you notice that it is it is bedeviled with a lot of economic challenges. These are challenges affecting the country, not specifically the uh, targeting the sector only. But what then happens is the sector is at the receiving end. Because if parents are not having enough economic opportunities, they struggle to get uh, fees. And mostly they have challenges in terms of having their kids not going to school. But uh, also when you talk of um, uh, maybe uh, the, 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 the teaching staff, uh, which is the side of the skills transfer part of it, where the teaching staff have also to be satisfied in terms of how much they earn and also so that they're able also to stay on their jobs. We have got a big challenge where, uh, as a developing economy, there I would say there's a lot of work that government needs to do. It's not only an issue of engaging um, uh, uh, the sector and negotiating for, 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 for salary increase, but we need to innovate around how best can we be competitive in terms of uh, remunerating our teaching staff. Uh, this is what I, I see. Uh, because private schools are currently doing very well in terms of remunerating uh, their, their teachers and their teaching staff, and they are actually um, uh, attracting a lot of uh, teachers from government schools to their private institutions. And because they are running them as a business, therefore, they is somehow you can see that there is a level of sustainability in the running of the, of the school business at the private institution. It is opposed to what we are seeing at the government um, institution. That is where I see some challenges, mm -hmm. where opportunities need to be explored as far as um, opportunities to fund, uh, particularly on that. So Thank we've got school development associations, we've got um, uh, development partners. If a school as a business cannot run without partners, cannot run without also investment that is put directly into the school. If we only rely on school fees, then we've got challenges. So these are things that I see, but the opportunities that are naturally available on the ground Thank you. out of uh, some of the things that we can convert into value. For technical training institutions, the whole idea is to innovate, produce products that you take to the market. If you carpentry, produce products that you can take to the market and sell. And from there... Thank you, Mr. Mbimbi. Um, now, on the cost, um, when you're saying uh, it's affordable, 
Muruku reva muchi tarisa zimwenyika za takawekizana na zokana kuti Muruku tarisa marizi kutambirwa nevanu nekuti e, Takambota orashekare neva zizisi vachiti iwo Marizi kushikoro zakawandi sanekuda kuti marizi avaru kutambira izo Hava zoko nekuende sawanavavo kushikoro tisitarisa shikuru kuma university kuti Vanoti e, Mutsitsi mumwechete akaita vana vaviri kana vatatu hacha kone kuti vaendesa ku university izvi munozviona sei Matara zvakanaka NDU you are clearly biased towards a teacher who is uh, who is also a parent those are two different um uh, positions if you are a teacher and you are a parent uh, you rely on uh, uh, your salary to take your kids to school. And we are saying in a country like Zimbabwe, where a teacher is a civil servant, like a, someone who is in the military, in the police service, in the prison, in the correctional services, in the national party or anywhere, you are part and parcel of the civil service. Those people earn an equal amount of money. So it's not something that is only relative to the teaching staff. So we may not need to discuss this point, be biased to a teacher. Though myself, having been a, a, a chairman for a school development association, I've been faced with such challenges in terms of uh, teachers trying to uh, go on strike because saying because I cannot afford to take my my, my child to school, um, particularly at the school where they are teaching. The issue of affordability is you can't expect to take your, your kid to a boarding school uh, when you are merely just a civil servant relying on your or, or, or on your salary that you get, consider the fact that the payment schedule for a civil servant does not allow for that. So affordability is relative to interest and priorities. You can't expect to watch... Tino tenda wabimbi rekai nguwa yacho iriku uti manyei. Rekai tinzwe kuti fundirwa ye ariku zhona sei sezo ari ume weva zizi variku ma university. Ugubona njanloku fundirwa okulunywa nguwa u mbimbi? Ukulunywa uti isuini kifundu ya lapa ya dura. Ngabe ifunde ya lapa infrastructure ikuzikolelezi ngabe ikambelana lintengu the fees. Then it would mean uti the fees are expensive as they are. But it's kind of thing, it's kind of kumoko sumisho uti. Awa zali imalaba zikola yuzivelezi ngani. Then ifizina isindi ve mkulu. But uzifunda fuge skolo lesi anusolo uti ama lecturers anuti any enough. Therefore, they are attending one or two lectures per week. So, at the end of the day, you partially manning and then how great is called on corner. We have one hour look. We have one. In the companies, they are now saying they want people with four years, five experience, four years, five years experience. Why? Because they know them graduate. They graduate knowing nothing. Why do they know nothing? Because it's called the quality of education that they are getting is not enough compared to the fees that they are paying. Thank you. Um, Mr. Mfambi, I'll come back to you Show, um, briefly. Um, what's your take looking at uh, the unemployment rates in Zimbabwe? Uh, does that reflect uh, on our education system or it's a different issue altogether? 
Okay, I needed to um, comment on the issue of um, um, the remuneration and um, uh, those things that you're doing. I think uh, the government and uh, the Zambian government, to mention, has been very clear and has been listening to its employees and has always tried to implement pecuniary and non-pecuniary reward to its employees. We can't then say um, employees should be satisfied with what is being offered by the government, but we are always in um, uh, continuous discussions with them to see how we can better uh, the 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 terms and conditions of service. However, this is looking at the teacher or the the, the service provider. But on the learner side, the government has been doing a lot of things, including subsidizing uh, education. I think uh, if you saw the the charts of how uh, the exam fees are going to be paid, you can see that in government schools, the government will um, subsidize the majority share of the amount that is being charged. And equally, you have seen that um, uh, the government is trying to strike a balance between the rural learner and the urban learner. And how are they doing this? Um, the previous speaker spoke about how we have managed to create schools that are five kilometers radius from each other. And actually, from, uh, from 2017, there are more than 2,000 schools that have been built by the European government owing to the um, devolution funds. And, and, and on top of that, they've made sure that uh, information centers that brings technology to computers. Thank you. I think Thank you, Mr. Mufambi. Unfortunately, uh, our time has uh, run out, but let me take this opportunity to thank you all for coming on the program. Uh, and that uh, brings us to the end of our show. Signing off in Washington, I am Tabokan Ngobe.